0: back to the spinner rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics podcast. We're your hosts, Andy with Nightmask number 9 and Stephen with Cy Force number 9. Started in 1986, the New Universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastical approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably or at least cinematically realistic uh, technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in Our World in 1986. Now as the stories progressed to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. I'll throw out our uh, suggest that you stop by our website, kickersinc.com, where we have a number of um, entertainments and diversions, such as our uh, now um, still available. Contest the Super Sleuth Sweepstakes. Uh, you can test yourself and your trivia knowledge of the first few months of the new universe. And we hope to have a new contest coming soon. Um, there's also a um, last episode we threw out a, the new universe slogan contest had started at this point, And we're open to receiving new slogans from you, the listener, here at our uh, email, uh, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Tell us what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Make mine new. Apparently doesn't cut it. So keep them coming. We can also find us on Twitter at kickersinc.com. And we have no plans to leave Twitter at any t- time now. <laughs> um and if uh you're still thirsting for more new universe entertainment we can only suggest our friends over at the new universe uh fan page or the facebook fan page
1: yeah i gotta stop going there because i keep getting spoiled on things uh yeah or at least stop reading the comments
0: <laughs> sometimes oh <laughs> you're right it's like yeah sometimes there'll be a cover from like a year from now and i'm like well,
1: who was that it makes no sense right
0: <laughs> but and then like yeah it was like oh this is fine and then they'll be in the comments oh yeah later uh it's shame that character died
2: no <laughs> uh, okay
1: spoilers from quite a long time ago are still spoilers <laughs> well anyway so so today um uh, we get to talk about night mask uh, Night Nightmask is Keith Remsen, a young paranormal who can enter people's dreams in the disguise Nightmask. Uh, with his sister Teddy as psychic anchor, guidance from Dr. Ballad and physical therapist Lita Mercado. He helps others at the Ballad Dream Clinic. Uh, so today is Nightmask number nine. Nightmask enters his own dreams to discover the identity of the mysterious woman who's been haunting his sleep. Girl of My Dreams, written by Sandy Plunkett, penciled by Mark Bagley, and inked by Pablo Marcos. Uh, Or the short version, for the first time, enter the dreams of Nightmask himself. All right. Hopefully he's dreaming about something PG. (laughs) (laughs) Like
0: most 18-year-old boys, he's uh, dreaming about his uh, homework and... uh, And this week I'll be covering Psi Force. Someone say Psi Force. Yeah, finally, you've been avoiding Psi Force. <laughs> We're going from like a ninety percent Psi Force podcast to about thirty percent. So pushing ourselves, avoiding trouble from street gangs and government agents. A group of psychic teenage paranormal runaways is bound together by a psychic entity called the Psi Hawk, who they resent and fear. They have no name for themselves, but we call them Cy-Force. So, in Cy-Force number nine, has have Cy-Force member Wayne Tucker's powers made him an uncontrollable killer? All right. The tragic death of a teenager tells Wayne that the answer is yes. Written by Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Bob Hall, inked by Armando Gill. And a shorter version. An innocent boy is dead. Is a member of the Cyforce team responsible?
1: I thought the answer Wait. was yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, Wayne. Is, is the mystery that it's Wayne because the other thing said it was him? So, I don't. Um, yeah, that's these. Uh, um, these blurbs are actually uh, pretty much on the money. So,
1: yeah, need a little help from Grammarly.com, but
0: uh, yeah, that like have or has. I'm like. Oh, the powers. That's, like, so far very far down in the sentence, I'm yeah. confused. Maybe. But anyway, hey, and yeah. uh, we'll be going back into Universe News, which has a second appearance
1: in uh, the number nines, so. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're, again, spending most of the page talking about people who work on, like, pasting letters on and stuff, but hey, <laughs> it's something.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, if, like, if we were cartoonist K we could like demonstrate what all these skills are but um, we're very limited in terms of our technical
1: prowess <laughs> with comic. Wait till there's another chemist character we'll be we'll be golden
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah Universe News 2 has the uh, actors they would have casted in cast in these roles uh, in the upcoming uh, MCU <laughs> new universe so. N-M-C-U, yeah.
2: the
0: uh the yeah so this was something i'd remembered from way back in the day and uh although i couldn't remember any of the specific people they cast i would i had been looking forward to this for ages so
1: interesting choices to be sure
0: (laughs) it uh it says the 80s in so many ways
1: well anyway uh night number nine uh made it to issue nine uh, cover date July 1987, uh, though perhaps hit the newsstands March 24th, 1987. Um, so, Night Mask, our, our cover is pretty interesting. As usually, we have sort of like an interesting color swap where the woman on the cover has blonde hair, uh, although the character in the story uh, that we'll meet has black hair. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting, dreamy night mask. Fleeing from some beautiful woman who also has lizard, flying dinosaur things. So it's kind of hard to describe. Um, it looks nice.
0: It, you know the the. Did you notice the creators of that?
1: Yeah, Plunkett and
2: somebody.
0: I'm guessing that's Charles Bess. He did some like Sandman work later. He was, okay. Inker, an sometimes penciler. A uh, very delicate line. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and yeah. Like it wrote
0: this uh, issue, so.
2: Oh,
1: okay. It's making them connections that I'm glossing over. I'm like, hey, the new universe thing on the top is like gray, like that looks new. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. But yeah, it doesn't really tell us much about what's going on in the story, but it darn, looks pretty.
0: Yeah, I just I I picked up on that, and because you know, writer slash artist, okay, writer slash cover artist is a little unusual, you know.
1: Yeah probably pretty uncommon to have the writer be the cover artist <laughs> yeah
0: like an alex alex ross thing or something yeah i can do a nice cover for you and
1: i can give you the storyline but that's, i'm not going to do the whole issue come on anyway uh so let's open up the book uh title of the story tell me who do you love george thurgoodson that's what i was thinking mm-hmm. best i can figure
0: um, popular at the time
1: yeah that's like a 1978 kind of deal but it certainly works all right so the beginning of the story opens with this gotta be quite clearly a dream right so we've got a night mask and stormy seas with ice chunks waves uh kind of in a classic wooden boat uh, the kind of thing that like a pirate would drop to go ashore kind of thing uh just him no sail in his night mask outfit uh, with a pole, um, but the the stuff I love in older comics that we don't get as much uh, the narration. Right, so the sea wrinkles its frigid bow a brow, and the boat is tossed to the left. The pole in my hand has been encrusted with ice, so that my numb fingers can barely maintain their grip upon it. Any minute now, I could be flung overboard and meet quick and certain death.
2: So,
1: I love that wow. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly then in his thoughts, uh, I should have been home hours ago. Mom's going to kill me if she has to keep dinner waiting. Mom, wait a minute. Didn't his parents die in an explosion? <laughs> mm. But anyway, so, so at the bottom of this panel, you know, we get our, our writer, Sandy Plunkett, and cover artist, uh, Ernie Chan, Inker, Mark Bagley, Penciler, which I've tried to confirm. And it looks like this is Mark Bagley's first Marvel comics work. Not first comics published work, but first Marvel.
0: Yeah, I I didn't go back and double check, but I know from the Marvel Ages we were reading around this time they finally you know pronounced him the winner of the Marvel Comics Tryout Book
2: contest,
0: yeah. and so maybe this was yeah the first thing that popped up for him. It's that's uh, yeah.
1: best I could tell from like reading about it and like all interviews and such was that he won it. And then they didn't give him any work for a while. And then he, like, tracked down Jim Shooter at a convention or something. He's like, hey, was I supposed to do something? I think that book was
0: written in, like, 82, 83. So, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, three or four years (laughs) later. And if they finally got around to it, I don't know. But Yeah.
1: Wasn't that supposed to be given work based on this? (laughs) I, I mean, I'll
0: be honest. Marvel was putting out a lot of stuff, like, Aside from the new universe, which you know, dramatically, was a lot of work itself, so you'd think they were they would actually troll for the people who did that contest and turned it in and be like, "Hey, there's some talent there. Let's grab it because this is pretty fine work,"
2: you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, but well, I, I think we do get some more Mark Bagley uh, in the future, but I didn't peek ahead too much. Um, but yeah, so my night mask, dreaming about headed home at stormy seas but um, they notices something right so um, coming out of the mist there must be half a dozen of them so there's kind of like a canoe outrigger longboat filled with native somebodies right kind of vague uh, exactly what's going on um, they kind of shout out him in an unintelligible language I, I, did, I did a quick Google translate try and had no luck.
2: <laughs> Nothing.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, they seem to be like
0: African tribesmen with, by the, more like by the headdresses than, than the um, figure work, but they're, I mean, so they're kind of in contrast to the ice flows that we're looking at. as Iranian right. As well. and, and,
1: and things change pretty quickly. And of course it, it is again, quite clearly a dream here since he's night mask, but yeah, um, yeah, so he's not really sure what they want. They kind of point him somewhere. And of course, says they could be telling me to go this way or warning me of danger. and I don't know, right? So he follows their direction anyway. Uh, ends on a tropical island, right? So uh, we get a lot of narration about birds. Uh, the biting wind lessens and the air fills with the song of exotic birds. And he's kind of in like this very cartoonish classic uh, deserted island with a, a sand beach and palm trees, kind of thing. Um, but again, I don't know what he's thinking. He's like, with any luck, I'll be home in time to watch the ball game. Like now that he's nearer the equator, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> in this little boat where he has, doesn't even have a paddle. <laughs> but anyway, it's a dream; doesn't have to make sense. Dream logic is coming through loud and clear on this. Yeah. Loud and clear. Uh, so he bumps into something with his. Boat as he's coming closer to the shore, and then it's a dead body floating. (laughs) Yeah, right. And basically, notices like the whole sea in front of the island is just floating bodies, kind of, you know, maybe natives, kind of just hairless something or others. Um, But yeah, more bodies appear on the water, all of them bloated and decaying. I push on anxious to leave this place. So interesting imagery here. I can't quite make sense of it, but it's something interesting. And then he looks up, you know, again, I love the narration, a a shadow falls across the water causing me to look up against the glare of the sun. I can hardly tell what it is. So it looks like it's like a really large red bird. Uh, makes me think Pokemon. Of course, that didn't exist yet in 1987. (laughs) Get your Pokedex out, Ash. It's time to... (laughs) Professor Oak will love this one. I mean, Professor Ballad? Mm. (laughs) But as he sees it, it's a bird, right? I've never seen such a beautiful creature. And as as the bird's kind of swooping across the panels, which is kind of a neat uh, little artistic trick, uh, it starts to kind of morph into a person, Uh, more specifically a woman um so an amazing transformation occurs uh, and basically lands right in front of him on the beach as a woman the red wings kind of become a cape that's kind of draped over her shoulders just barely covering the naughty bits um (laughs) long black hair um again not much cover coverage uh And she says, I've waited many long nights for you to visit these shores, Keith Remsen. (laughs) She's irresistible. (laughs) Okay, I guess he's not having a PG dream. (laughs) Uh, Isn't just her physical beauty that attracts me, but her essence. Ooh, going for justice's move there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's mingle auras for a few minutes and... (laughs) See what happens. You don't understand. If you just mingle auras with me for a while, you'd sort of get on okay, my way. The whole world will be different, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she says, you know, take off that silly costume. You're too old for Halloween. You know, his mask comes off and his kind of draped cape and draws near, gives him a kiss. Our bodies seem to merge as one. Um, and he's happy for a moment until he kind of, you know, takes a look at this mysterious person and then just has a meltdown right so he says no i can't let this happen let go let go so mid embrace mid make out session um you know something freaks him out and he you know pulls away wakes up in his bed you know it's just a dream Mm. didn't quite get to finish (laughs) right but yeah so he wakes up um Teddy's by his side. Uh, She says she kind of helped pull him out of it because he was having a nightmare, uh, which, of course, doesn't quite match up with the dream he was having, which I wouldn't characterize as a nightmare, even though I kind of waked up scared of it. Um, And, you know, they talk a little bit, and and she says, well, Lucian's probably awake. He's always working super late. Um, So they go in to see him. You know, it's kind of dark moonlight shining through the windows you know he's at his desk working um you know kind of talks a little bit a little bit about uh there's kind of a, a goofy line uh, your unconscious has been disrupted by all your night masking <laughs> cute phrase isn't it night masking
0: <laughs> he's doing our job for us here wait a second
1: i guess so yeah <laughs> yeah so, so they talk a little bit about you know how um you know He's trying to keep it together, basically, having trouble relaxing, things like that. And then Lucian starts to get a little weird. Um, he says, you know, when I was a boy in Haiti, I used to spend a lot of time on the beach, just relaxing. Often I'd get up in the middle of the night and bathe in the moonlight. It's like, uh, Lucian, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's standing in front of the like a big glass door. Uh, Don't interrupt. Where was I? Yes, <laughs> moonlight. You hear the baying of the hounds. <laughs> Like what's gotten into you? There you go again, Remsen. You're so uptight. It makes me furious. You hear me furious? And he turns into the wolf man. <laughs> so uh barring a dist- distinct change in how the new universe works, uh, I guess we're still in a dream. Hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't wake
0: sh- up in a dream uh trick is is always effective.
1: Yeah. Way way before inception.
0: That was a big part of Nightmare on Elm Street, I think.
1: That's yeah, true. Yeah, they think they woke up, and they really didn't wake up. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched that. I think, I think it's too scary, so I probably won't go back and watch them. <laughs> but, so yeah, visions the man wolf, you know, kind of gets up in Teddy's face, uh, or in Keith's face. Uh, he yells for Teddy for help and she's got kind of like glowing red eyes and fangs and basically as the werewolf strikes out at him, he wakes up again. Ah, is he actually awake this time? We don't know.
0: <laughs> hmm. It's a, uh, yeah, it's just bed again
1: when you, yeah, just bed again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so a- another shift in scene. Uh, clouds pass slowly in the upper atmosphere, their languid movement a stark contrast to the staccato dance of the figures below. (laughs) Wow. Someone pulled out the the, uh, thesaurus uh, for this one. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, So they're fencing out in the yard. So uh, Apparently they are in some sort of fancy country club, presumably through Dr. Ballad's connections, rather than any of the rest of them being wealthy um i don't recall keith fencing before uh, but i know he's always training doing something with Lita. so in this case you know they're fencing they're both wearing kind of the, the full white get ups and the masks um and Lita's mopping the floor with him and chastising him along the way for not paying attention and all the things he's doing wrong um gives him a nice little poke with the uh Uh, fencing saber a foil, right? That's the name for her, isn't it? that sounds good. Uh, And they both have little red hearts on their uniforms, which I'm not sure is a thing. Um, But she pokes him right in the heart. So a little message there, perhaps. Um, But yeah, she makes him quit. You know, you're embarrassing yourself. You're not paying attention. Um, You know, again, he's kind of talking about how... He's a little confused and lost, you know, not sure if he's dreaming anymore because he's waking up from a dream into another dream. He's kind of messing with his view of reality, um, and you know, she's trying to help him as, as she generally does. Um, and you know, it's Lita, right? So she's not going to beat around. So you know, I see your point. You just can't sit around and mope about it. Uh, she's not a psychoanalyst, but you know, that dream woman of yours might be the key to your problems you're afraid of something instead of facing it you're turning and running you know you're strong rely on that strength so she's like all right just deal with it face it don't run away keep making out <laughs>
0: <laughs> if i could get back into that dream i would believe me
1: <laughs> well he can fall asleep basically on command right so
2: <laughs> it, is,
0: it is his 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 true power yeah so yeah. Putting yourself into other people's dreams is just corollary from that.
1: But right. <laughs> falling asleep on command. But, you know, so there, there, there's, I've gone past it a little bit. Uh, there was a little narration somewhere in the distance, a thrush warbles, So like the sound of birds, which they also kind of focused on in the previous dream. you know, the sort of exotic island birds. Uh, and then we get him at the end of the conversation, you know, I feel the late afternoon sun on my face and wonder, will I wake tomorrow and remember this talk is only a vague dream? <laughs> so there's a lot of playing around with, you know, are we dreaming or not, uh, which I enjoy. And in the next page, up to page 10, we have Keith, and it basically looks like he's in outer space. Right? So there's like galaxy, planets, moons, all kind of in the background, you know, saying, um, you know, get some more fun narration about the cosmos and solar storms. I am
0: now Galactus, devourer of worlds. No, <laughs> oh,
1: no, I'm kidding. That'd be a cool dream. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, but yeah, so he, he's still a little lost. Um, but it turns out he's just in a, um, oh, crew. What's the name? Planetarium. Planetarium. Thank you. <laughs> the word escaped me. All, all this. Fancy narration. has got me flustered. <laughs> so Lucian took him to the planetarium just to kind of chill out and relax. Um, you know, again, the conversation centers around, you know, you're pushing yourself too hard. You know, maybe you haven't quite adjusted to being night masked yet, um, but his advice is to follow Lita's, right? So you're tired, you're worn out, you're confused. Just face it. Okay. follow Lita's advice, confront your fears. So at least they're not giving him conflicting advice, I suppose, but he doesn't have parents, right? So, you know, he's 18, he's got a younger sister. Um, you know, these are his his uh, Is kind of a father figure at this point, whether he wants to be or not, I suppose. So at least he's trying to help him out in between running a business. So anyway, we cut again, Keith in bed. Night, like a soothing balm, falls over Georgetown. A small screech owl peers through the second story window of Keith Remsen's bedroom. So more birds, more sleeping. Um, The bird swoops through the window, basically, uh, startles him awake, um, and he decides to follow it. Right, so, Probably a dream here becomes definitely a dream as we turn the page and he's kind of up on the top of a building in the middle of the city and there's kind of a whitish fog and a bunch of pterodactyls flying around like near the ground. Uh, But also the pyramids are in the background. You know, some planets in the sky that we normally wouldn't see. So definitely in a dream world. Um,
0: It has a nice um, sort of like Batman or Daredevil you know, looking over the city, look to it. You know, yeah. Sort of you're right. on the corner of the building, ready
1: to jump off kind of feel. And and so he's in a dream, but he's also not night mask here. So in the beginning, the first on the boat, he was night mask. And most of the uh, time since then, he's just been Keith. So, you know, again, gives you a little bit more of that. Is he dreaming? Is he not kind of, uh, but it goes down into the city. Um, again, it's kind of neat. The, it's like he's walking through a fog of white, right? So you can't really see the ground. Um,
0: this this sounds like looks like uh, an eighties music video, sort of.
1: You know what I mean? There was uh, right 80s, come down. Wander uh, a, yeah, wander
0: into like a little concert or something. Yeah,
1: but what he does wander into is a weird parade of cartoon characters. So they're all here, my favorite characters from when I was a kid, all in one parade.
0: Um, this is so, pretty, yeah, like the uh, range of
1: characters here. Um, impressive. Yeah, you got Bert from Bert and Ernie, uh, Jason, or like hockey mess slasher dude, uh, Superman, Underdog, The Wicked Witch, Cat in the Hat, Frankenstein's Monster, maybe Dr. Doom? Makes oh,
0: yeah, yeah, there's uh, Snake Man and Aladdin, or the girl from Jasmine.
1: Italy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that was nineties. Um, yeah, yeah, that when Yeah, out. like and some uh, uh, like Alice in Wonderland kind of looking characters too. So yeah. interesting squad that he's walking up on. Uh, my favorite by far is uh, the Bert character, who's like <laughs> tall as a man and kind of like. He's got a hoop earring. He looks kind of like punked out, rough and tumble bird.
0: This is a bird that is definitely gonna cut you if you get in his
1: face. Yes. Yes, it's he
0: is. Very disturbing, to be honest. But I'm,
1: I'm, but I'm guessing these aren't all of his favorite childhood characters. Uh, like donkey head priest man, maybe <laughs> not a beloved childhood character. <laughs> That's a book. I never
0: read it. Yeah, I don't know. But donkey-headed priest. What have you got to say for
1: yourself? <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, wandering amongst them. Yeah. Donkey-headed priest, man's Brother, I have it here. The one true word. And uh, a guy with a noose around his neck who's, you know, standing with a martini glass. what a pain in the neck. You and your asinine word. <laughs> so weird little squad um, he taps on the shoulders of lion head guy to get advice and directions and then you get an interesting line uh as his kind of scrape turns and screams at him in his face he says um take it easy i just want directions out of town and lion head guy says out of town oh that's rich no one gets out of town before midnight that's when the change begins like ooh. which has got me thinking lady midnight Ooh. Right, long black hair, infiltrates dreams, very pretty, changes into her persona at midnight. It's like, ah, what's going on here? <laughs> um, and then they fight, right? So uh, it's almost midnight, he doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, as he tries to kind of sneak out, like an executioner guy grabs him, um, Keith socks him in the face. Um, and his axe falls on his head and you know, he executes himself on accident, I suppose. Um, cat in the hat and Ku Klux Klan guy come come diving after him. <laughs> uh, Bert seems to be the ringleader. He's got a gun. He says, get him, boys. We'll make him one of us. Um, yeah, basically, he's, he's able to fight them off and kind of get away. Uh, dives under the monster's legs you know they start swinging at each other and and the the parade of characters start hitting themselves basically Uh, but it's it's kind of a neat fight Uh, punches the grim reaper in the face and shatters his skull (laughs) caveman clubs the you know hockey mask slasher dude um, as he's finally running away and kind of getting away from the fray, uh, the the final shot is that Burt guy with a revolver or with a handgun shooting at him. <laughs> so it's like it's quite the scene. Definitely <laughs> a lot of fun. I think
0: yeah, uh, the the cat in the hat has gone completely feral there. Yeah, lost
1: his hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, dreams aren't usually this crazy, right? Like this this is fun, but. It's, yeah, it's pretty out there. So he runs off, uh, kind of hides in an alley. They're all shouting at him, we're going to get you, Remsen. <laughs> uh, he ducks into an alley uh, and runs into like an old timey uh, red pickup truck with like wooden side walls. Um, you know, again, we get some nice narration of raindrops glisten on its red frame, indicating it has already traveled far tonight. <laughs> Um, so actually so he runs into Ma and Pa Kent uh, wait that's that's the wrong universe uh, kindly old farm couple we've had a few of those in the new universe yeah, yeah. It's... Um, so they offer him a ride just going down to Baker's Corner So okay um, I don't think there's stand-ins for his parents or anything just someone sort of random and helpful Um, as he walks around the truck to hop into the back, uh, there's people in there already. So uh, two Native American guys, they're kind of cartoonish looking. And then the woman from before. Hola amigo, como esta? (laughs) Uh, I was expecting the truck to be empty for some reason. The presence of these people disturbs me. The woman, the woman is beautiful, alluring. Her smile finds its way straight to my heart. And she's got mm. hearts on a headband, too, like red hearts, sort of reminiscent of the red heart on the, the fencer outfit, too. Um, but again, with the birds, right? her voice is like a song of a bird, melodious and sweet. <laughs> mm. He's run into the woman of his dreams, the woman that he's supposed to be not running away from, according to Lita and Dr. Ballad. Um, We've got some clues to who it might be. At this point in the story, I'm not 100% sure, but it was leaning towards it's Lita rather than uh, Lady Midnight, who's most more so out to kill him than out to uh, swoon over him. Yeah, the, the way she's drawn... Well, actually,
0: Lady Midnight and um, Lita are both, you know, dark, long hair, attractive women, and so without like um, more clues, you could be. Uh, it would be easy to to say, well, this is obviously so. You know, so and so because that's what she looks like. And so, yeah, you're right. It could be uh, one or the other, or maybe a third option we hadn't thought of yet.
1: Yeah, could be. A, could have been a very new character. The speaking you know, in the- Spanish, though, I think that. <laughs> yeah (laughs) that kind of sells it uh or seals it um but yeah that the line from the tiger guy of like the change happens at midnight you know definitely made me think Lady midnight and and that may not have even been intentional they could have just been talking about like that's when they go wild and like turn feral or something too so i'm not really sure
0: to be honest that's that was my my interpretation but i uh yeah so yeah if if lady midnight had popped up it would have been after that, it would have completely uh, taken me off guard. So,
2: yeah, you know, but... or
1: both—two <laughs> mm. different ladies. But anyway, um, Keith is kind of weirded out. Weirded out with the uh, the two men there, also in the truck. Um, she says they don't <laughs> understand English. They just kind of sit there and then turn. Are it you also off? attracted to them, Keith? I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So in mid-conversation, they turn into dogs and jump out of the truck. Maybe that means something. Uh, he says, you know, remember a Greek myth as a child about a sorceress named Circe. Um, okay. Um, I mean, Circe turned people into animals, perhaps, is part of the myth there. But uh, again, just sort of odd that the native people show up again, but don't to have that much of a purpose, I suppose. I'm still trying to figure them out. Um, But anyway, uh, she touches him on the shoulder. uh, They kiss and he's been transported to another world. So as as they kind of fall back into the bed of the truck, all of a sudden they're back on the beach. Uh, The air is filled with the smell of salt water and the cry of gulls. How long have I been here? Minutes, days? I don't know. It's as if time stood still. So he's having a good time. So lots of kissing now, kissing and rolling around in the water and playful. So he's having a good time, but it seems so good. So right. Then why do I hesitate? Why do I pull away? Uh, And then all of a sudden they're transported again into sort of a starry space cosmos scene, kind of like the planetarium before. They're kind of floating on a, you know, flat chunk of, asteroid just kind of a, a platform is, in space
0: i was thinking of the uh far plane in final fantasy 10 oh
1: okay yeah you know what i mean
0: like where you you have the confrontation with that woman at the
1: temple and zanarkand yeah it's, it's very video gamey too it's like like a, the kind of platform you'd be jumping ac- over and stuff like that as well boss yeah. fight now <laughs> okay (laughs) but i don't think there's a boss fight um basically keith freaks out again so he got a little more smooching in this time uh says no i can't let this happen and she's like what's gotten into you um you know the all the warm gaze of the sun has turned into the cold unforgiving glare of the cosmos i'm seized by vertigo um so he he runs um you know, she's wanting him to come back, you know, and she says, it's something I did, something I said, you know, it's, it's never, you've never gone through what I have. He jumps off this asteroid or sort of into space and I loved my parents and now they're dead. I don't want to go through that kind of torture ever again. Um, in panic, he leaps off his spit of sand, um, hanging in the empty, meaningless void, away from her, away from pain. <laughs> Uh, So I guess it's about his parents again.
0: Uh, The empty, meaningless void. Yeah, we're (laughs) all... Embrace the
1: empty, empty, meaningless void like the rest of us do, Remsen. Come on. Come on. That that
0: goth lifestyle won't take you anywhere, dude.
1: (laughs) No, it won't. (laughs) Um, So he falls through space. She transforms kind of back into half bird, um, kind of swoops down, grabs him, Uh, rescues him and as she kind of puts her hands on his face uh, he wakes up you know holds the hands and it is in fact uh, in the waking world now uh, Lita who's right there in bed with him but also so is everybody (laughs) else (laughs) so almost Keith Remsen almost yeah Keith Remsen wakes up uh after being rescued in his dream and everybody's there in his bedroom and apparently had been listening to him uh (laughs) talk in his sleep uh so Lita's sitting on his bedside you know she had kind of grabbed his face uh was maybe trying to wake him up as he woke up from the dream being rescued by her um but his little sister's right there I've heard more eloquent monologues but it was enough to give us the gist of what was happening in your dreams he's like oh crap (laughs) Me, me so horny. Me. <laughs> uh, but but he, in past issues, he was like, you know, really enjoying himself, rescuing beautiful ladies from giant robots and all sorts of stuff, too. So, or, uh, you know, bathing in the hot spring with a bunch of ladies and such, right? Like all the famous actresses and such. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Teddy always gives him the wet blanket treatment. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well.
1: So it goes, right? So they they talk a bit about, uh, you know, now they kind of understand the situation. He's afraid to fall in love because he lost his parents. So, you know, if he falls in love with someone, he might lose them. Um, Sounds familiar in the movie TV world, uh, as far as things go. Um, And of course his sister there to give him garbage. You sure did some heavy breathing over that dream girl of yours. Was it anyone we know? It's like, uh, you're putting me in an embarrassing situation, Squirt. And uh, Lita at the end, Keith, I've never known you to be the shy type, but don't worry about it, Keith. I think I get the idea. And you're certainly not the first schoolboy to have a crush on his teacher. And <laughs> so I guess she knows, but it doesn't sound like, uh, doesn't sound like he's got many chances here. He had kind of crushed on her in past um, issues a little bit we're kind of building to it uh i think but uh now i guess yeah.
0: if the real time element you can imagine like months of of having this attractive woman around all the time is like consuming him slowly until uh, it becomes unbearable
2: yeah
1: and apparently they live
0: together right that's what i'm getting from the, some of these issues yeah um I know it's a big place, so okay. Yeah.
1: Not quite sanctuary big, but still. I didn't, yeah, nothing, nothing sanctuary. They always seem to end up in the same room together. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, unfortunately, it was not a Mistress Midnight appearance, which would have been
1: pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Though I would take, you know, more sassy physical therapist as a, nice consolation prize
0: yeah better than like random you know character who didn't appear before and won't appear again it's like oh this is my dream girl and next next month we're on to something else
1: (laughs) yeah it doesn't feel like we have a story arc per se going on but it does still feel like you know interesting things are happening and you know the it still feels related like things are moving ahead with the characters at least so i guess i i mean the
0: the preview of this was like for the first time enter the dreams of nightmask himself the, the the only or the problem i think i have with this is that last issue was also the dreams of nightmask himself and it kind of suffers by you know having those right next to each other, honestly. Yeah, that's true. If we, if they'd have been spaced out a little bit even, I'd be probably fine with it.
1: But um, They're both if, having to do with, you know, the, the loss of his parents and such as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to be, I mean, to us, yeah, six months after we lose a parent is still, you know, you're, you're affected by it, but it was kind of like, we he loses his parents and then several months of like adventures. And now let me think about my parents some more. Um okay. okay. Yeah. So some of that is unavoidable, I'm sure. Um in terms of like the kind of stories they get pitched and everything. I don't know.
2: Yeah,
1: and the timing of them as well. If you got different people working on them rather than like you know. Okay, I got to work team, on next month's story, kind of thing. So, right,
2: right.
0: Yeah, Fanny, yeah, Night has kind of suffered with not having things sort of built up over time, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'd th- see it more as a missed opportunity than necessarily a problem so far. I mean, because I, I think a lot of the one off kind of stories have been good. Right, the, the the dream scenario yeah. really lends itself to having like single issue stories. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's generally pretty fun. I guess you're yeah. If you think of it as like,
0: this book focuses on single issue stories, and
2: yeah, yeah
1: it uh, it's good at that. Yeah,
2: so. yeah, and we
1: had justice in the dream last time. It's like an evil version ish, and you know we've had good art in the last couple, so. I'm not
0: yeah. complaining. Yeah,
1: and uh, like I said vaguely, if this is his first
0: pro, pro- professional work uh, or at least Marvel work, you know, not a not a bad showing at all. Um,
1: yeah, it's nice. There's like we got real backgrounds. Um, you know, it's not just a bunch of blank kind of yellow and purple in the back, you know, so everything's drawn nicely, a lot of little details. You know, the writing's got a lot of little details as well. Just stuff that doesn't, isn't really necessary, uh, but is there that just kind of helps set the scene. You know, like he's walking to the truck and talking about how it smells of hay and machine oil. It's like, totally has nothing to do with the story, uh, but. It, Kind of helps set the scene a little bit.
0: There was one thing that where he had a footnote that I, I know I went back to because it confused me. Where he says, I tried giving up being night mask once and you don't lo- know how long that lasted. It says, see issue number five. So number five was when he was in the dream of the witness against the mafia, I guess. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know if I should do this. But I didn't really think of it as like, spider-man no more mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah it wasn't quite
1: that dramatic
0: the big night mask quitting issue oh, no.
1: well anyway um let's see could have been a fun homage cover in there though <laughs> i think that this we're still in the early era where we didn't like ridiculously copy the same cover over and over again <laughs> in 1987
0: <laughs> yeah um so Even though I don't know what those little dinosaur dragon newt things are, it's a nice cover, definitely. Yeah, and Plunkett, who I don't know much about, I mean, it's an interesting, like I say, combo of skills there. Um, yeah, writing, I'd say that's fine, art, good. So, I don't know,
1: I'd, yeah, I'll give it a B, it's kind of straight down the middle for me. Join B, I think this may be our largest diversion. I was thinking A minus wow okay yeah.
0: interesting
1: i had a lot of fun with this one there's a few things that didn't really make sense but um i don't know i, I don't know if these ratings just get affected by like the mood i'm in when i'm reading and such <laughs> to some degree but, but yeah i enjoyed this uh, one a lot it was kind of interesting had
0: taco bell before i gave the rating
1: i <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on um i like the dream within the dream yeah everything's kind of fun the art's nice you know all the way along like there's something kind of visually interesting to look at <laughs> the parade of cartoon weirdos like
0: parade know, of cartoon I, weirdos is good you know there's something in the middle that I, I i even going over it with you i don't know so he wakes up from uh the werewolf and vampire and then they're doing their fencing yeah with lita and then at the planetarium with ballard And I honestly don't know if the fencing and planetarium are other dreams or that was like his day that, you know, between like
1: previous dreams. I kind of assumed those were the two not dream pieces because then like the heart on the outfit makes its way into his dream later uh, Mm -hmm. on her headband. And then like the space scenery makes his way into his dream later. Um, as he's kind of like trying to escape that last time um but it's certainly questionable
0: yeah it's uh it's readable either way but uh, yeah
1: and then it kind of works narration wise that i mean like the werewolf dream dr ballad is is still kind of talking about some of the issues that keith's having right but then um you know, they're talking about, you know, facing his fears, facing the dream woman at the planetarium. So then that would allow him to know what's going on in the end when they're in his room spying on him, having a <laughs> wet dream because he's in the water. <laughs> right, clean rating, clean rating. Uh,
0: yeah, the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Do we talk about the casting?
0: Uh sure. So the casting call from uh, universe news this month. Question um, of the month. If they were to make a movie of the new universe book you draw, who would you cast as the title characters? And this comes straight from again Sandy Plunkett, the cover cover penciler.
1: Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen as Keith Remsen. So the important thing here is to look at a picture of Charlie Sheen in like '86.
0: Yeah, he was still like a, a young guy, definitely. I, that, although I, his brother Emilio was also active at the time. I remember some indie movies from the '80s as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's something about that that doesn't quite ring with. What my, my mental image
1: of uh, Keith is uh...
2: yeah it's
1: a little bit like freer more kid like I think uh, Charlie Sheen is you know at his best was more kind of like stoic and quiet I guess like more actiony hero kind of character um, yeah uh,
0: I mean yeah I'm trying to think like Platoon I think was around this time
1: yeah like he, how he looked in that uh, so I, th- I think visually it kind of works. Um, youngish guy with dark hair. Um, my, I had two ideas that I thought would have been better. Um, again, kind of have to divorce the idea from the, who the person is now. But uh, like the young Johnny Depp, I think would work better than Sheen. Um, visually, when you, when you search, you know, teen stars of the 1980s, like he hits that pretty well um And then I was thinking, Ralph Macchio, Karate Kid. Yeah,
0: yeah. He in plays terms a of like character-wise, but yeah,
1: yeah, it's a it's in that range. If he it's was, if he was a little older. I I don't remember how the timing works out, but like Karate Kid One, Ralph Macchio looks really young, and Keith See, remsen would be like a little on the older side of high young high school kid, but like right. That's Karate Kid so Two. Macchio that would be that would work. That's what you want. okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's my casting. I drew a blank on the cast.
0: Cyforce <laughs> uh, uh, is a lot harder. But we can uh, talk about that. I know. Oh, yeah. We'll just put this off till we talk about Cyforce. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, we'll be right back with us talking about force
1: <laughs> All Cyforce all the time.
0: Welcome back to the spinner rat. No, wait, that's the beginning. <laughs> All well, welcome back from the break. <laughs> the uh, next issue is Force number nine, and, which is again, cover dated July 1987 and apparently came out March 24th. The cover has, I believe it's Wayne um, in uh, sort of on his knees uh, hand on his head screaming and the title mind storm so in the background you see all these um, sort of random faces and again i think it's called a color hold where instead of black and white it's another color and white except you know, so it's all in blue and that's yeah, a nice nice image again by Arc Sierra. Mindstorm, the storm of the mind. That is uh, no colors in the new universe logo. Darn it! <laughs> and going diving inside, we have a splash page and a title pushed too far. Not mindstorm.
1: Oh. Okay. Mm. Pushed and, too far by the mindstorm.
0: <laughs> created by, and then the credits. Fabian Fabian Nisieza, writer, Bob Hall, penciler, and Gil and Nichols as inkers. So, Bob Hall had done the um, Pornographers in Seattle issue a couple issues ago. Oh, okay. And Fabian Nisieza was, um, I think, coming off of like working in marketing or something, much like uh, Peter David. So, several of these. new universe writers were recruited, like giving people in uh, editorial or marketing a chance to uh, flex some creative muscles and has yes, yes, I, I think we all know went on to good success with the X-Men later in the 90s um, just when I wasn't reading the X-Men, so to be honest I barely know his work at all so I'm pretty, I have no no like expectation one way or
1: another of it, so well, there's so many like standout arcs of X Men that it's kind of hard to uh think about some of those other ones too. So
0: that's true. If I know right. I've read
1: it, but I don't I can't like place it as an era or a story or anything like that. So
0: even if you were a really good X Men artist or writer, you'll always be compared to like the ten other best eras and be like, Oh okay, I forgot you completely
1: time in between claremont and morrison <laughs> yeah there was things issues were
0: published so
1: that's all i'm and lots of so, lots and lots of trading cards the um
0: the splash page has a couple of inset panels but it is um also gotten some nice narration Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco by moonlight It has been described by many as being positively breathtaking For a desperate boy named Alan Moran the description takes on a very literal translation and there's a young man in uh, like a,
1: his underwear and
0: bathrobe I guess on uh, the what do you call them the cables that hold up the bridge this
1: yeah basically on the top of it
0: it's where uh, like James Bond was fighting Zorin at the end of, um, what is it, um, Roger Moore's last uh, James Bond movie, View to a Kill. Hmm. Don't think I've seen that one. Oh, Zorin is Christopher Walken and him versus Roger Moore.
1: Oh, okay. Jeez. I guess I need to go see that one.
0: <laughs> it's a little over the top, but in an 80s fun kind of way. Anyway. Back to Alan Moran, the poor guy who's uh, standing out there alone, and you see some police cars um, in the next page uh, shining spotlights on him, and uh, the narration kind of continues in a melancholy way. The stars above, the lights below, they are all shining for him tonight for the first time, but why did they decide to pay attention to him now after a lifetime of indifference? Why does it Uh, require something so extreme for anyone to notice him he dismisses the thought quickly it is going to be seize the opportunity to make an impression on everyone they'll remember him forever there's also some boats out in the water for the first time in his life the spotlight is on alan moran and you have these uh, panels at the bottom of the page very vertical so it allows you to sort of track him as he's falling down for the first time in his life, he acts with the strength of his convictions, decisive and determined, and he steps off and is following water splashes.
2: He dies, never
0: realizing that his final act is ultimately one of inner weakness and cowardice.
1: Ouch. Narrator burn.
0: <laughs> and we're two pages in. <laughs> I'm like depressed already. Um... Ring, ring, and it's daytime on the deceptively small outside uh, of Sanctuary, and you see a uh, balloon, uh, someone answering the phone. Sanctuary, home for runaways. Goldie (laughs) Shaw.
2: Can we we take
1: one second just to remind us that the Sanctuary here on panel, it looks like a San Francisco row house. It's about one door and one window wide. (laughs) Like This is a really narrow building. And I only, th- I only see three stories. If we're generous, we'll give them like a bottom floor. So maybe four stories and one of them's kind of an attic. So that's mm-hmm. not a lot of space in this building from the outside. From the outside. Until you go through the dimensional portal. There's... The
0: right. trouble is you're only thinking in three dimensions. Oh, you're right. I'm
1: always doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry for the interruption, but one of our mm-hmm. beloved... Bits of side force is just how large the sanctuary is on the inside. <laughs>
0: yes, Colby Shaw, who is definitely not a Time Lord, uh, speaking. Yes. yes, Officer Moran is a resident here. What's he done now? Oh, where Golden Gate Bridge? No, oh, I meant the body. Yeah, I'll be there this morning. No, they're in Utah. Of course, I'll call them now. Uh, the uh. This conversation is overheard by a girl we haven't seen before and Kathy. And so next week, we already see um, a couple of uh, other teenagers like, so Moran's fish food, wonder who gets his Reeboks.
1: (laughs) Uh, You get the impression that this is not an unusual event for the sanctuary.
0: Yeah, I mean, Home for Troubled Teens does sort of lend itself to this sort of uh, event happening more than once. Um, So yeah, Kathy is horrified, and she's, um, next thing you know, standing on a staircase telling Wayne that Moran killed himself. I mean, I knew he had problems, but to commit suicide, that's really kind of sick, don't you think? And uh, he just wayne like muscles past her and uh the carton of milk he's carrying (laughs) splashes on her and she's (laughs) kind of mad about
1: that shut up kathy i'm trying to drink my milk here
0: (laughs) (laughs) so he he continues on and the rest of Force is up at the top of the stairs like what's wrong Wayne? what's wrong kathy kathy tells him that uh oh, Wayne uh, is just being a jerk as always, and oh, and anyway, also, Ryan killed himself. But. Um, so after they repeat it, um, they're st- sort of standing around talking for a second, and the, um they kind of start thinking to themselves, I wonder what really set Wayne off? And uh, the, the Tyrone is like, oh, let's not start a big gab fest. This will be too depressing. But uh, Kathy comes back and they do start talking about poor Alan Moran. Um, Tyrone's like, I knew it. So we start, you know, we get reactions from each of uh, C- Kathy, Tyrone, and Stasi, and with each of them with like a little memory of themselves interacting with Alan. And it's all kind of they were all kind of ignoring him or pushing him off. As it turns out, they're they're not really too gentle about uh demonstrating that.
1: Um, hey, Tyrone wanted him to play basketball with him. He just didn't. Oh. Uh, so Kathy is
0: like he was always around at the wrong time or something. It's like a memory of her probably flirting with a guy, and uh, Alan comes by and she's like, "Goodbye, Alan." Their own uh, offers to play basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. no, thanks.
0: And Stacy had overheard Colby on the phone saying that Alan had uh, swallowed a bunch of pills before, so this wasn't his first uh, suicide attempt, I guess. Michael doesn't have a memory, but he's like saying that, yeah, he was also my friend. I wish he'd said something. I don't know. And uh Tyrone, don't blame yourself, guys like that. I don't know. Kathy is uh, her usual, like not super sympathetic. Absolutely. It takes a real wacko skullcap to kill yourself. Right. Okay. Don't go into uh social services there,
1: Kathy. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so
0: yeah, Michael's still like thinking about something and uh, the others are missing apparently we think, but um We jump over to Wayne, who is looking at the Golden Great himself from the docks at uh, Fort Point Lookout, I guess, which I don't... Probably a real place. I imagine there's um, the sort of the North Bay, the North Beach area. You get a nice view of the the bridge. So he's thinking about... uh, you know, how having his powers to push people and read their minds hasn't been a vacation for him. And so I wasn't quite sure whether he was reading minds before. It seemed like not something he had been doing, but...
2: Yeah, it's not
1: clear to me without, like, going back and looking at the old comics, like, has, has he done that? Or... You know, and it was just, like, a minor part besides the mind control kind of piece, so...
0: Yeah, sometimes maybe he'd be like they're gonna they're they're getting ready to fire or something like that. I'm not sure if that, I call that mind, you know, reading though. Like yeah. these guys are gonna shoot at shoot at us or something. So yeah, he's he's a little down on himself. Um and he comes up to a hot dog vendor. This is like the second or third issue with a hot dog vendor. I'm not quite sure what's going on. <laughs>
1: And uh, all all just made me sad to know that it doesn't really exist in like the tourist areas in New York City anymore.
0: the uh, the hot dog vendor is some older man who's coughing and looks like he's in terrible shape. And uh, you know you these days you might think, do I really want to get you know food from a guy who looks like he's hacking up a lung?"
1: <laughs> but uh, of course you do. Of course you do.
0: It's a big line of people waiting for these hot dogs. Yes, um, you know, what do you want? And, uh, hey, mister, you sound terrible. Why don't you go to a doctor about that cough? He's like, no, no, I hate doctors. And uh, my sister-in-law was in the hospital. Uh, doctors, fooey. And Wayne then looks at him. You didn't hear what I said. And then in his, like, push voice, it's like uh, Paul in uh, Dune, I guess. Na gesserit
1: voice. Okay. All right. Now you're getting obscure. Final Fantasy. Dune. No, no
0: one else watches Dune. Okay.
1: Fine. <laughs>
0: uh, why don't you go to a doctor about that cough?
1: I mean, the obvious uh, pop culture reference would have been Star Wars, though, right? Oh, the Jedi, Obi Wan kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> Ouch. Shamed in my. Fake geek girl alert. Okay. Hey, Dune is at least making good movies. <laughs> um, so he's like,
2: Yeah,
0: you know, maybe I will go to the hospital. Maybe I will at that. And Wayne thinks to himself, All right. Maybe <laughs> now if that works, maybe I'll be able to sleep at night again with a clear conscience. Maybe. Anyway, back at Sanctuary that night. Michael comes in to bother Wayne, who is uh, on his bed with Walkman on, like turned up super loud. Wayne, Michael has to go over and tap him to wake him up. And there's a, a weird disconnect between the uh, penciler, anchor, and colorist there, where instead of Michael's glasses, it makes it look like his eyes are bugging out of his face. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not meant to. <laughs> be for comedic purposes which is how it comes across yeah, anyway you can,
1: you can see some of the like circle like reflections in the glasses of the hot dog guy which i think is what the artist was trying to do and yeah, and so yeah. he's got the googly eyes <laughs> uh so
0: uh wayne pushes him off what crawley what are you sneaking up on me for and i just wanted to talk about alan and you what about Moran? I know Wayne. Know it all, right? Huh? Creepy. Let's just see how much you
1: really know. So, two comics with two very different reactions for what happens when one of someone you know wakes you up in the, from your bed.
0: You know, a lot of sleeping going on in the new universe. It is the world outside our window, truly.
1: Bedroom window.
0: Uh. Michael feels a shoving sensation and he gets Wayne's memory in, via a psychic probe. And he, Michael can feel Wayne's pointed anger, his overwhelming guilt as they methodically pound away his defenses. And Michael is privy to a memory of Alan um, giving Wayne a hard time for smoking, which, you know, obviously um, became uh much more normalized uh, in the years since this but at the time you could still smoke indoors
1: and teenagers could get cigarettes and things like that um so yeah, yeah ran- alan random kid coming up and telling wayne what he should be doing it's probably not yeah, the best, terrible way to get on its idea. best side there <laughs> yeah
0: you're i mean the the glimpses we get of of alan are pretty sad as we go through this book um people's memories of him like maybe he was trying to reach out but he was doing it in every wrong way possible so because here alan's like you know he's like why do you smoke wayne i was talking to someone about why people smoke even though i think it's bad for them and they might be because of nerves of insecurities no way i said a lot of the smokers i know are too cool i mean I mean, I can't picture you having any insecurities. You're really cool, but why do you smoke them? <laughs> um, so I mean, he thinks Wayne's cool. Wayne is cool, but you know, he he's like he can't sort of connect with Wayne and or anyone, it seems. And Wayne, of course, isn't like uh, thinking out too far. He's just. You know what? I hate this place. I hate dust. It's like all these little dust balls I see floating around. These little specks that are insignificant. Maybe they'll just up and fly away. Maybe they'll just fly out right over the bay and sink without a trace. thing I'm looking at right now. I mean you. I mean you, Alan. You're a dust. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) I added a little bit there, but anyway. Yeah. So. Upster now. So he's like, you know, he tells him to dry up and blow away. And uh, We go back to the present and Wayne is like, you know, you know, get out of here, Crawley. Get out. And he's not so much using the mental push as just physically pushing him out the door and down the stairs. Uh, Crawley loses his glasses and Tyrone and Stassi find him at the bottom of the stairs, looking like he had broken his neck, but uh, it's down by the uh, bulletin board for this sanctuary uh,
1: yeah. complex. But, I think it's got like a fire escape map on there, like <laughs> you know, head past the 15th bathroom and the <laughs> astral observatory room.
0: What do you third Door on the left. Yes, okay. Thank you. Um, so Stassi uh, heals Michael, who it's like, hmm, broken collarbone, mild concussion. Wow, you know. Yeah, you wrecked him. A little rough there, yeah. So Tyrone's mad, and he heads up. Michael's just saying something about, it. he thinks it's his fault. So Tyrone gets up there and confronts Wayne. What is your problem? And, uh, you know, Wayne's not having that either. Um, He must have slipped. I don't know. Theron yells at him, and then, keep out of my business. Your business is my business, Wayne. We're in this mess together, whether we like it or not. And uh, don't tell me what to do, Jessup. Just shut up and get out of my face. Again, that's the voice. So Theron just sort of stands there. um, And Kathy's there now. Oh, absolutely sick. You pushed him. You want a piece of me too, Ling? Yeah, you know it. You better believe it. You know your little Sean Penn act is getting really obnoxious. I'm a little surprised Sean Penn was known for being a jerk at this point because um, I, yeah, I thought that, was that was little, came like, later.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: like yeah, he's still like a young dude with like two movies under his belt. But... Um, so yeah, he yells at her, and she telekinetically like pulls the rug out from under him. So he. Trips over and lands on his butt. Um, Remember, tough guy, we all have powers. We just don't like to use them as much as you do. She storms off and uh, hope the fall didn't cause any brain damage. Uh, Great. Told off by Jocko and the MTV princess. But what if they're both
1: right? Uh oh. Is Wayne so. What is this sad, introspective Wayne? Who is this character what wayne come on man we depend on you to be constantly
0: abrasive and unapologetic hmm. so wayne just uh heads for the door and brushes them off when they say they got to talk and he heads out um tyrone thinks i'll follow him and senses astral form the ghost And Wayne's heading down some stairs, which um, Karen says, oh, great, he's taking the Muni. At least the subway system here is cleaner than in Manhattan. Wouldn't want to get my astral sweats dirty. Can any of us imagine a time in which San Francisco was considered cleaner than Manhattan? (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man. So I think he's talking about BART here, because I think I thought Muni was either it was like more the surface level buses or trolleys, but
1: mm. I yeah, I don't know my San Francisco that well. Okay, I'm uh, more
0: of an East Bay guy,
1: so the, the Muni might be the Sanctuary's uh, oh. underground rail system that's all self contained within <laughs> <the> Sanctuary. <laughs> you want to go
0: from one end of Sanctuary to the other quickly? Just it take takes like forty five minutes, but it's faster than walking. <laughs> so um he follows him and 20 minutes later Wayne's back out at the docks and then he just stays there all night like sitting on a pier staring off into the bay so Tyrone is like in one panel oh there he is and then later it's dawn already I guess he's been there all night and I've been here floating here for hours watching
1: Wayne brood Uh, there's that fun like recurring gag in Seinfeld where like one of the characters will be like out on the pier like sitting and thinking sitting on a park on a bench and then when they come to their decision they run through the seagulls <laughs> <laughs> made me think of that a little bit that was good yeah the um, the uh,
0: he takes off but Wayne's still stand, sitting there and uh, he sees the hot dog vendor from before he's talking to a friend of his a balloon vendor And saying that, yeah, they'd gone to see a doctor. I don't know what came over me, but uh, the guy said it was just a quick infection, gave me some antibiotics, and I never felt better. And uh, anyway, so Wayne's walking away thinking, ah, perfect, it did work. Um, Later at Sanctuary, we have Colby Shaw on the front steps, um, talking to an older couple, male and female. They say thank you for we uh, want like to thank you for everything you've done. I'm sorry, Miss Mister Moran, for everything I wasn't able to do. And the other person, probably Alan's mother, ah. Mrs. Moran. I'm sorry your son died, but you must realize you must have had problems for a while, or you wouldn't have come to sanctuary in the first place. Yes, yes, of course. So they they seem a little cold, honestly. Um, but Wayne comes up and he's like, uh, I better look uh look presentable. You know, Colby's been uh riding us since we left, you know, a couple of issues ago. So he's comes up and is relatively polite, but when they say, you know, this is uh Mr. and Mrs. Moran, Moran, Alan's parents, is like, oh man, sorry, I'm so sorry, and runs off. And this actually breaks the box of um Alan's effects that Mr. Moran had been holding, and his parents are really off put by it. But they're picking up some mementos they'd come pick up, I guess, and including they have a nice shot of young the family in younger and happier times at Disneyland. Supposedly, there's Mickey Mouse behind them. Um, with a younger Alan and it's like broken frame now. And
1: it's kind it's of an interesting situation if the Alan's in the sanctuary in San Francisco, and Colby Shaw knows where his parents are, but they're not reuniting. Like,
0: well, I mean, that's the thing. Is they've done a couple of uh, things before where, like, um, well, let's see, that was in Seattle. Like, the, the one girl that Michael had a crush on was saying she thought her parents knew where she was or something.
1: Yeah, but it's like did they know he was there? Cuz it's not like a reform school or something.
0: Yeah, but it seems know.
1: to be like parent like kids who
0: needed to get out of the house, but maybe you know the house wasn't they weren't necessarily being abused or something, but they can't fit in with their parent, their family or something. Yeah, it's I mean you would think you'd be and have to be in pretty um, dire straits to go to this random runaway home, but I don't know. The uh, certainly the like the memory of like the younger Alan is like looks happy enough. I don't know. It's mm. a little uh, yeah extra sad. They were all run away to sanctuary because there's too much. What's wrong with their lives? Too much loneliness.
2: Too much pain. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the, uh, they head off, and uh, uh,
0: Colby thinks to herself uh, no matter what Alan's witch of a mother says, let him work it out on his own. So. Wayne is now at rush hour in the business district, and um, he starts walking around. And you have this sort of each panel, you know, these faces are sort of over him and he's here, listening in on what's going on in their heads. So he's gone to the busiest part of town, the busiest part, part of the day, and is listening to everyone and in the hope of trying to push them in the right direction, I guess. So it's an interesting uh, uh, chance to or attempt. I don't know. There's like a guy... Um, working some stock scam. He's like, don't tip on the stock market. Um, Stop cheating on your husband. Get off your butt and get a job. Don't threaten your boss. Quit smoking. Quit drinking. Quit quitting? Tell your mother how sick you are. Don't run away from home. Make a commitment.
1: (laughs) And next time on Dr. Phil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Suicide's not the answer. Don't kill yourself. He's very sorry. Start on that one. Get off the take, you dirty cop. And he's uh, this is really taking a toll on him. He's got a headache pretty quickly. Uh, one of the last guys he saw is that a guy says he needs a loan. And he's like, you need money, get it from a bank. Yes, tell your husband you're pregnant. Go to the police. Uh, anyway. Wayne is wearing out and his uh, head is is killing him. Hey, kid, you okay? And he, he takes a header into a pile of garbage cans in a dark alley. So back at an arcade near sanctuary, not the arcade in sanctuary. Just They probably a-
1: got tired of those games.
0: <laughs> the uh, They are playing video games. And uh, Tyrone is hoping we don't start this conversation up again. So, of course, Michael starts this conversation up again. Hey, I've been thinking we should go look for Wayne again.
2: Yeah, he might need us.
0: Kathy me over there with some shooting game. Die, Cyhawk, die.
1: I love that. That's the best part of the book.
0: Anyway, so Tyrone's, uh, I'm not sure, I mean, I'm all for team spirit, but Tucker's, Tucker's digging his own grave, and I don't want to be buried with him. Ouch. Ouch. He's a jerk. Let him come to us for a change, says Kathy. Of course. yeah, uh, He's too stubborn. He'd never come to us. And he's in, I think he's in more trouble than he's willing to let on. Stassi's, uh, they're playing foosball now. I agree. President state, he could be a danger. So they, um, uh, argue some more basically. And, uh, Till Tyrone says he will go scout around again. So he goes to um, a movie theater so he can sit for a while without being bothered. And uh, it's some sort of a Rob Lowe movie.
1: I should have looked up to try and place what that might have been.
0: Was it Oxford Blues?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I didn't look, it. I should have. Oh okay.
0: There was I remember uh, like in uh, an extremely boring movie with Rob Lowe in the 80s. <laughs> that I was
1: there's somebody uh, else already sleeping in the audience yeah so he's like
0: oh slip, oh, the floors here are disgusting well that that's a very uh, accurate assessment of San Francisco I'm sure but Anyway, But so he comes back up um, the others um, they all sort of say what direction they're heading and they all head off looking for Wayne several blocks away Wayne is looking in a window store window with some tvs on and he sees a uh, report from um, breaking news and there there's a reporter outside a bank that was being robbed and the police are bringing out the gunman and oh no it's the bald guy i pushed i told him to go to a bank and get money yeah
1: (laughs) it is uh
0: is that hitman from the video game
2: maybe
1: it really totally looks like hitman Nice, bald, and uh, suit and
0: tie. Anyway, Wayne's like, I screwed up all wrong. How did I do so badly? Uh, Tyrone's flying around Chinatown. No, no sign of him. So he goes back and talks to Stasi and Ling, and they all think they're getting cold, so let's head home. Hope Michael will be okay. And we're back at the uh, lookout for Golden Gate. Uh, with Wayne, who's now himself really has a um, sad uh, narration box. For a desperate boy named Wayne Tucker, the description takes on a very literal translation. Overwhelmed by grief, by guilt, by exhaustion, by confusion, by life, by death. How could I have been so wrong about, completely wrong, about everything? I wanted to help people, but why? To make up for Alan's death? I blew it anyway. Push people to do good things, and they turned bad. So he's walking on the bridge itself now, sort of balancing on the edge. And he is a no, and uh, Michael comes jumping out of somewhere and pushing him back onto the road. Michael, what are you doing, you little idiot? You could have killed me. I, I thought, don't think too much. Don't think for me. I
2: just wanted to help.
0: Shut up and leave me alone, Crawley. Let me solve my own problems. Wayne's still true to character. here. Thankfully. Yeah, but let's see. He, as he's walking, Michael's getting mad and anger rises within Michael and it manifests itself as a blast of pure psionic force. Shaboo! <laughs> so, yeah, nice uh, trash can strangely placed next to Wayne and then a spotlight that is also near him. You haven't solved anything on your own. Okay. Power down. Um Wayne starts uh he's, they're now like close to the park, I guess. He's like, he's cracked. He's gonna blow me up. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's kind of chasing him and <laughs> so he's being chased by this young Mike Michael Crowley. And Wayne, stop,
2: leave me alone.
0: Okay, you're, you're the tough guy, Wayne. Come on, act like it. Some Tree gets blown up, and Wayne finally uses a push on him. Stop it now! So they both sort of fall down. Look, I, I just wanted to talk. I know you didn't kill Alan. He committed suicide because he wanted to, not because you made him. Did you know that Alan had swallowed a stomach full of sleeping pills a few weeks ago? Did you know he died at two a.m.? He was in his robe and underwear. When does it take? Since when does it take four hours for one of your pushes to take effect? Wayne, you didn't kill him. I know. Tonight, I walked around during rush hour, probing people's minds, pushing them to help themselves. I wanted to make up for Alan. I thought it was my fault. I realized tonight, though, that I can feel it inside my head when I use my powers. Like a tickling, sort of, but not quite. Know what I mean? Anyway, I realized it when I pushed you to stop a few seconds ago. I didn't feel that tickling when I argued with Alan. I felt it with you. So they, they yeah, he, he helps them up. I guess we have a, all have a lot to learn about these lousy powers. Yeah, I learned I can hit what I aim for tonight, at least sometimes. And I learned that whether they want us to or not, need us to or not, we can't expect to help people. Best we can do is hope we can help and try not to hurt. It is almost midnight back at Sanctuary. Tyrone, Stasi, and Kathy are all on the bed, kind of getting worried, getting bored. Hmm. And when the other two walk in, we're back. Mike, Wayne. And Wayne. I I swear this is what it says is Wayne's here. <laughs> I don't believe I, you. Um hi. I want to apologize to you. And I, I'd like to know if we could hang out here a while tonight and just talk. I need to talk.
2: (laughs) Who is this character?
0: What? We don't have like alien uh, that alien shapeshifters that try to disguise themselves as other people in the new universe that we know of, but
1: Mm. possible. Could this be the end of Angry Wayne?
0: This is always my fear.
1: Is this the end of
2: Angry Wayne?
1: Only nine issues. We got sad introspective Wayne.
0: So that is Cyforce number nine. Um, overall, I mean, we so again, we don't have like a coming next time. Um, overall, I was pretty happy with it. I know Wayne isn't super in character, but um, it does, you know, the characters overall, I think, seem true to themselves, even if this is kind of an unusually um, dark one for, for Wayne, at least.
1: Yeah, it's um, not bad. Yeah,
0: I I didn't know what to expect, but in terms of like picking up the story from the previous work, um the setting, the characters generally on track. And while it has a bit of a, oh, I don't know what do you call it, a story of the week, um after school special feel to it, Yeah. Again, yeah, you know, teenage suicide is no no joke. It has been a problem for it was a problem in the 80s and it is a problem today. And it's, yeah, it's not uh, not cool reliving these moments when we, uh, you know, if you've met, if you know people who've, who've killed themselves. So,
1: yeah, that's very true. And yeah, they are teenagers, right? So, you know, what kind of things do teenagers deal with? Like, this is pretty much right on track. So, yeah, yeah. And... Not, maybe not quite as much fun as battling a. Uh, power stealing or, you know, power hmm, stopping Psychic Thomas Psystalker in Alcatraz, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's, um,
0: you know, it, it's not combat except more combat within Psyforce. um But, you know, a reasonable amount of like, power is being used. And this is, like, maybe closer to superheroism, I guess, um, Because I kind of like that idea of like, okay, what can I do? I'm a psychic. I can read minds. I can tell people to do things. Well, let me go try to push people in the right direction. And you know whether that's uh, really a good idea all the time. I mean, it's it's. I'm not sure he pushed that guy to rob the place, but (laughs) it is a cautionary tale.
1: Yeah, though I mean he would make the world's best. Or at least most effective police officer, though, right? It's like you will give yourself up now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I always thought that was like you know if you had like a like a Columbo, but like he was psychic, he was just kind of playing with you the whole time. It's like, of course, I knew you could get it. You, I was reading your mind. Yeah, yeah. Just it's a to have a
1: meal at your fancy restaurant first while we talked about it.
0: I got nothing but time, so uh,
1: yeah, tell me more about.
0: That. Yeah, the um life in sanctuary, all that good sort of teenage um angst and uh yeah i am optimistic with uh nicieza now forward to uh, him apparently getting more involved in this book i don't know if now or
1: later but um,
2: yeah
0: so i don't know i would i i'm thinking b plus
1: for me b plus i'd go straight b i think um yeah it's nice it's above average i I hadn't recognized that this was bob hall again which i think his art i liked more in this issue there was maybe a little inconsistent like sometimes it was kind of nice and cool looking sometimes the faces got a little strange
0: um yeah it was a little cartoonier or something in the previous issue and was a, a bit more of a hard to to um get into those characters but this one's a little yeah more on track with what i expect i guess or something
1: yeah um, i agree
0: although somebody, Col- colby looks like a like you did tell him it's a it's a female character it's one of those panels it looks like uh, walter cronkite or something
1: <laughs> yeah when like when she's talking to the parents kind of stuff exactly yeah very like uh
0: yeah i mean i i I do did enjoy it um if um uh, yeah, yeah not much more to you know.
1: yeah it's, not, it's just kind of is right You're like yeah. it's an okay yeah. issue you know no no exciting revelations um uh, kind of wraps itself up and like, it was all right yeah. so yeah. so
0: let's head on to our casting for uh Force.
1: hmm. So we got a lot more options here, right? Nightmask just gave us Charlie Sheen. Here we've got Tyrone. This
0: is Texera. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. Tyrone, JJ Walker. From good times, yeah. Dino Mike. That guy.
0: Yeah. Man. I think that's well, I mean, he's a little old at this point, even, I think. Yeah. That was like more of a 70s show, but um he's 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 tall and thin. So Okay. Yeah. I, I think we, we, you'll, you'll quickly see in the 80s, they had a lot less um, sort of pool of underrepresented minorities. They were very, uh, you know, more clearly underrepresented.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in, in trying to look up actors, like teen actors from the 80s, like there's not a lot of options for the people of color at all. Um, I would have went like more like a Malcolm Jamal Warner Cosby show, maybe it's more athletic kind of. Tyrone's oh. basketball dude,
2: yeah,
1: like that. Rather than the dynamite guy, but who still shows up on like TV commercials selling you like uh, Medicare Plan C kind of stuff. Apparently, really well, okay. Uh, Kathy was Ray Don Chong who I didn't even recognize that name I had to look that one up oh she's the daughter of uh, Tommy Chong
0: from uh, Cheech and Chong
1: right so she's half
0: Asian and half African American
1: right which was in commando
0: apparently oh yeah I forgot that yeah she I I know there's a couple of mystery science theaters with her and um, that's probably not a good sign for her career though right uh, okay, well, yeah, but I mean, she was—I know she was popular in the eighties into the nineties, and yeah, uh, she's one of these. Like, she, you, if you look at her now, and you're like, you know, she is definitely—I think she was the one who has like held her looks pretty well. Like, you know, you get a, a uh, some some people like don't age that badly. Some of these pe- characters like casting. You look at, you think you have like their like modern image in your head, and it's hard to like get out of. Yeah, like Charlie Sheen, it's hard to like get the image of like a 50 year old degenerate out of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, in, in trying to think about like, like who, I mean, a little strange to have like an Asian American character represented by you know sort of a half black half asian character but then i'm trying to think about it, like who else would it be like I don't, like i can't i
2: mean there yeah wasn't I wasn't really I,
1: anybody in the 80s
0: there was not a lot of uh i mean yeah widely um yeah i couldn't think of anyone off the top of my head except like i know joan chen pops up in um twin peaks a couple of years later so she's still pretty young i don't know if she'd play teenager but yeah um yeah i mean you definitely need a pure uh east asian look to be more true to the comic uh as depict depiction but you know whatever i'm not uh uh always trying to think yeah like she was pretty uh she doesn't read as, like, mean as Kathy does. Yeah. You know.
1: I wonder if the, if her parents recognize that her name sounds like the chemical element, Radon. <laughs> that's a good question. Anyway, Michael Crawley, Peter Billingsley, I had to look up. The kid from uh, The Christmas, Christmas Story. Story. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: The, um, so that's just, yeah, like, you'd think too young. Because I don't know how young he was in that, but, um. I mean, definitely a couple of years younger than I think of as Michael, who's, I think, is like just like on the young side of high school. Yeah. More like that the, was more of a middle school yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So that was that one, I think, was a little flat. Uh, Anastasia as Phoebe Cates, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. That kind of works.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean,
1: she always sort of had
0: shorter hair. I think. Oh, and gremlins, right? Grandlands, right <laughs> um yeah so attractive yep.
1: dark haired um fair yeah. enough i mean this is these are kind of how these movie casting things work it's like this person kind of looks like this character like that, yeah. they must be the perfect actor or actress for them um but i really like matt Dillon, 80s 1980s matt Dillon as wayne i think that one works the best of of all the ones we talked about today
0: yeah what was that rumblefish or something the outsiders um, mm. he was like the 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 yeah the cool guy um he could so he yeah. could rock the fingerless gloves exactly yep so that part that one works well i think um maybe that's more what i'm thinking for charlie sheen mm. i don't know when she when um Kathy calls him out as doing a Sean Penn number. I was like, would Sean Penn work? <laughs> no, uh, I don't really see that. Yeah, he would. He would, didn't really have the uh, tough guy
1: um, look at the time. But yeah, yeah. stay tuned for more of these because uh, <laughs> some of the choices are, are pretty fun <laughs> in Absolutely. the other characters in the other books.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a fun uh, thing you'd get in, uh, like, Wizard Magazine for a long time. They'd be, like, casting imaginary movies, you know, which, of course, now we see constantly, but uh, a lot of times it was just hair color.
1: Yeah, totally. um,
0: Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, that's the easiest thing to change, which is the ironic part. Right. (laughs) Um, Famous redhead automatically Jean Grey. (laughs) um some of the ads i guess this this issue there's one on the back uh this month um for um
1: dragon books from tsr yep i definitely read that book yeah really yeah i don't remember it but i remember the cover
0: i liked uh i don't know if i, I got it but like leaves of the inn of the leaves from the inn of the last home where it says um uh, the newly compiled, complete Krin source sourcebook leaves from the inn of the last home. A catalog of all the poetry, songs, recipes, maps, journals, lost manuscripts, scholarly essays, and artifacts gathered together for the first time. That uh, I don't know if I had that, but I, that's the sort of thing I love, you know?
1: <laughs> that's, you know your company's successful if you're, if you're able to publish something like that.
0: Yeah, Dragonlance wasn't my favorite so I may have read a book of it but uh, it's more of a Greyhawk guy myself sorry guys mm-hmm. they mo- ad for a movie called House 2 the second story which I don't remember at all
1: I remember the house movies and I remember not really caring about them it's just like classic haunted house stuff Bill Maher in a, in a minor role apparently yeah and a cliff from Cheers.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Sorry. A few things for um,
0: gum and model
1: cars. Yeah, those little electric racetrack things that would always whiz off the track. Robotech, the role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Highlights include the SDF1. Ooh, whatever that is. The tank now, I is mean, my favorite, though. Like, the... Yeah. Like, if you could still get all the, like, use all your Tang points to earn, like, the Tang phone and the suspenders. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It looks like a Marlboro thing where you like, you get the
1: uh, coat for, you
0: know, 50 box tops or something.
1: Guessing not much of that memorabilia still exists. I'm guessing, but let's see
0: Oreos, M&M's. Yeah. The Robotech actually, now that just reminds me, like, why why isn't Spitfire more like this? They have giant Japanese robots suits. Trying to be more grounded. Uh, okay. <sighs> well, that's it for this week's episode.
1: <laughs> Next time we'll take a look at Mark Hazard number nine. Ooh. Mark Hazard deliberately places himself in the Russian army's bullseye when he signs on with another mercenary to deliver guns to the Afghan rebels. That should work out. Decoys I can't is written... see any possible problem. <laughs> no problems there. Decoys is written by Doug Murray, illustrated by Gray Morrow, uh, or the short version. Uh, Mark Hazard Merc 9. There's a merc- new mercenary in town. Meet him in this issue, if you dare. Uh, does that mean we're writing Mark Hazard out of his own book? <laughs>
0: new mercenary he's called steel hawk and you'll find he's the most amazing guy ever we got Kerry bates to write in (laughs) anyway yeah i like i like the you know knock you know read my comic if you dare come on (laughs) what are you a wuss come on read the comic
1: (laughs) you a bad enough dude to read this comic
0: And over in Kickers, Inc., number nine, the new owner of the New York Smashers traps its star quarterback, Jack Magnaconti, in a Machiavellian power play. To escape, Jack must sacrifice either his career or his self-respect. May the best sport win, is written by Dwight John Zimmerman, penciled by Alan Kepperberg, and by Tony Zuniga. Or a short version, the New York Smashers are being sold to the West Coast unless Jack can stop it.
1: Mm. I guess I, we know what the power play is then.
0: I think I remember this one. If there was one issue of Kicker's Ink that I remembered, it was this one. So mm. it is, it is fun. Uh, made me laugh. Okay, it still makes me laugh to think about it. Yeah, I have not read it, so I'm
1: looking forward to it.
0: All right, new writer. So, so yeah, I think we're. Yeah, I don't recognize that name at all. So in the meantime, uh, we'll be uh, findable on our website, kickersinc.com. And you can email us, especially if you have a new universe slogan, uh, at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, we'll see you back at the Spinner Rack.